Hello, hello. How are you today? Oh, I am so stoked. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. We have a really good episode this week. I'm really excited for this one. Oh, I know me too. It's going to be jam-packed. Yeah. So, so excited. jump right in, this is just our opinions. Uh, This isn't meant to harm anyone. We're just talking about some stuff, and this is obviously not a substitute for a professional opinion. So take it with a grain of salt and just see what sticks. Yep. You know the drill. Yeah. So (laughs) I think we wanted to start off with the topic of self-diagnosis, especially with mental illness. Yep. Yeah. Which I've seen a lot on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think, in my view, there are some ways mm-hmm. to do it ethically and there are some ways to do it unethically. I agree with that, yeah. So what would you say is, like, an ethical way to do it? Um, for me, uh, the difference between self-diagnosing for the sake of you know self-diagnosing and and trying to help yourself out versus self-diagnosing to you know grab attention for you know as a marketing ploy you know um for me it's always about a research and b like how do you interact with other people who have the same conditions the same mental illnesses um like, you know, are, are you supportive? Are you inquisitive? Are you asking questions? Or are you just saying like, yep, I have OCD. Nobody yeah. questioned it, I have OCD. And it's like, so those, those to me are the two main points um, yeah, that I feel I really sets the bar. In a video made by a TikToker named Paige Layal, who does videos, she is autistic, oh, she makes videos. Yep, about she's autism. on the spectrum. Yep, I know her. Yeah. She said um, something about how uh, self-diagnosis is fine, but if what you need is support, you deserve the support with or without a diagnosis. So I thought that was interesting because if you can get the support that you need another way, then Mm -hmm. self-diagnosis kind of becomes not needed unless you're doing it for maybe an ulterior motive maybe you want yeah social status or pity or i don't know yeah like for example claire you and i because we literally share the same brain neither of us have been diagnosed with add or adhd but both of us have um like you know several of the same symptoms that we find inhibit us like i know my auditory processing is horrible when I'm on the phone yeah. with a customer, when I'm on the phone with a customer at work, if someone else is talking in the background, God forbid I understand a single word. So, in that if sense, I or yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone, line up. We're gonna handle this one at a time. Um, but yeah, so in that sense, you know, and especially like in school, taking tests, I am physically unable to focus when there's background noise. I can't. My brain turns into mashed potatoes. I can't do it. So do I need support in that sense? Absolutely. Do, do I need, you know, um, a little bit of extra help in that sense? Yeah, I do. 
Do I have a proper ADHD diagnosis? No. Do I think that having one singular symptom means that I definitely have ADHD? No. But like you said, like you mentioned with Paige, being able to get that support regardless of a diagnosis, you know, is is key. Yeah, definitely. And I think when people talk about fears around self-diagnosis, there's also the other side of the coin, which we've mm-hmm. definitely talked about, which is feeling like you are being dramatic. Or yeah. yep. <laughs> I'm making this up. And yeah. I think there are a lot of barriers to diagnosis because like we've I, both yeah. seen mental health professionals, but definitely yep. the the whole diagnostic toolkit hasn't always been applied. So I think that's exactly. when it can be helpful to do your own good research, not WebMD yes. research. Yeah. Um <laughs> about what supports you can use regardless of what diagnosis they come they come from but what can help you to like improve your quality of life exactly um and I've always said um like if you're asking yourself the question like am I mentally ill do I really need help chances are you're not being dramatic chances are you do need the help if, if you're asking yourself and if you're in that position and you're looking inward and you're thinking, I, I think I need some help in this area. I, I think that, you know, I, I, need, I need a lending hand. Then, you know, chances are you're not being dramatic. Yeah. I saw a tweet that was like, if you do it while you're alone, it's not for attention. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like when I'm having a depressive episode and I physically can't get myself out of bed, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm doing this because I want people at work to think that I'm mentally ill and I want the attention of blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just thinking like, man, I'm really sad. (laughs) And I also think there's something that maybe you experience, but definitely something I experience where Mm -hmm. when I'm around new people or people that I'm not necessarily close with, I'll just be like, I'm going to hold it all in. I'm not going to show a single symptom of mental illness right now. Yeah. And then when I go home, complete breakdown. Uh, yeah. And then, I, I completely and then agree with that. People in your life will be like, oh, really? I, I don't see you like that. And I'm like, that's yep. this, boo. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I know people um, on the autistic spectrum, people with Asperger's and autism, um, there's something that especially females do called masking. And Claire, I know you and I, we, we both do that. Are we on the spectrum? Not necessarily. No. But again, we, we do have some of these symptoms without like having that diagnosis behind it. Yeah, so, and sometimes just the language around like saying like, with you for sure, him being like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. so tired. I was masking all day today exactly yeah that language can be super useful but like you don't need to be like oh I'm on the autism spectrum now no exactly that's not that's co-opting something that I'm not yeah yeah the two are not necessarily um are they linked yes but you know um coincidence does not equal causation you know yeah I saw a tiktok two days a few days ago which mm-hmm. was like, I always thought I was normal. And now, according to TikTok, I have bipolar. Yeah. And that really got my goat. Yeah. Like, 
are you because now like tiktok this social media has made you question your own reality your own relationship with your brain and i think that's where like the danger in these like pro self-diagnosis resources are yeah like they shouldn't be so widely acceptable that people are just going about their day and then thinking oh maybe maybe do i have mental illness yeah should the information be accessible absolutely yes yes and yes but do i think that anyone and everyone on tiktok should be immediately accepting of you know diagnoses diagnoses um yeah but yeah so it's like we've talked about before um like uh, <laughs> a sign of a strong mind is one that can contemplate a thought, but not necessarily accept it. Like, especially when something on TikTok that, oh my God, grinds my gears are the like put a finger down videos. No. Where it's like, put a finger down if you get stressed when you're in a room full of people. Put a finger down if you blink more than other people. If you have more than two fingers down, you're autistic. It's like, right not not necessarily honey so i think that those those are not a good resource in my opinion like i've even had somewhere you know do i have poor auditory processing yes um do i have you know certain mental illnesses that give me certain symptoms yes but so do i fit into some categories absolutely but does that mean i definitely have ocd bipolar you know social anxiety generalized anxiety depression like no (laughs) I think like there is like you need to use your own critical thinking yes but also a lot of these people who are making these put a finger down videos aren't Mm -hmm. psychologists or psychiatrists or anyone so then it comes to like like why we do the disclaimer at the beginning of every episode exactly if you're not uh an actual mental health practitioner you have a responsibility to not be spreading this like misinformation that's making people track often they're blinking to see if they have autism (laughs) exactly um and something that i always find um when i'm getting psychoanalyzed by mental health professionals um they'll give me like a list of questions and it'll be like you know do you get stressed in social situations well sometimes yes and sometimes no But if you're only asking 10 questions, that's not enough for a proper diagnosis. Like the questionnaires that they give me usually have like 80 plus questions. There's a wide variety. There's a wide spectrum and they're very specific scenarios. Like for you to be on TikTok saying like, if you put your shoes on one at a time from the left to the right (laughs) instead of the right to the left, then like you automatically need to be in an institution. So irresponsible. (laughs) (laughs) exactly so yeah I think coping skills no matter what they are typically used for are always Mm -hmm. good yes but labels well one they're not always correct and two yeah they're just not always useful I agree yeah so again use your dissertion yeah um and especially something that I found, we sort of talked about this earlier today, um, like, you know, with the masking and everything, like, when, when I told my boss at work that I, you know, have depression, I have some forms of anxiety, like, I have, technically, it's a 
um, a subset of bipolar. It's called PMDD. He immediately dispelled it. He was like, no, you don't. That's not true. Like, you're so happy all the time. You function normally. I'm like, yes. Do I That's do so I function? Exactly. Like, do I function? Absolutely, yes. But you don't see me at home when I'm breaking down. Like, you don't yeah. see me when I physically can't function. You don't see me during episodes. Um, it's the same thing with my with my dad. And I love him to bits. But um, he always says, like, you don't have anxiety. You just need to think positive. You know, and I know that not everyone is as well-versed in, you know, psychology and psychological processes as you and I might be. But, you know... Just to say that, oh, you you talk to me like a normal person. You don't have anxiety is, you know, right. like you said, very invalidating. Um, and like it is like, why do other people think they know our brains? Exactly. Like, You're not living in my body. How much time you spend with me, you will never know what my internal life is like. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why our social <laughs> batteries run out so fast because you and I. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> I'm sick of it. Stop with the judgment. Exactly, exactly. Interaction with um, kind of an acquaintance where they're like, "Oh, that's just not how I see you," and I'm like, "I'm too bad. Have to like, I'm I'm telling you how it is. So yeah, we're just gonna have to kind of roll with how I choose to like what I tell you about myself. Like, you don't really have a say in this. Exactly. It wasn't until I literally went to the psych ward and I called my boss in tears and I said okay I I have to go to the hospital I'm not going to be into work that he finally said like oh wow okay maybe Emma is a little mentally ill and it's like oh come on now but back (laughs) exactly back to our point of you know self-diagnosing for the sake of help versus self-diagnosing for the sake of attention um you know I also say like if you feel embarrassed to talk about it or if you feel scared to mention it to you know a parent a doctor a close friend then you're not doing it for attention right like I you know I I had it drilled into my head that I was not mentally ill I was a normal kid like you know all these symptoms that I'm having it's just for attention but when it came to telling my doctor I I didn't tell her for years because I was so afraid of of crying when I told her that I just I buried it I refused so again for people to say like oh you present normally like I I don't see you that way it's like are you serious I'm a well-trained machine actually Mm -hmm. exactly just because I'm high functioning doesn't mean that I'm not mentally ill yeah and there is definitely a lot of like shame around it Absolutely. Being mentally ill in a kind of an echo chamber like TikTok is Mm -hmm. not the same as being mentally ill in real life. Like being mentally ill in real life is incredibly isolating and scary. And it's not like a joke. Yep, exactly. Um, There's something I learned about a little while back. It's called the confirmation bias. And especially with TikTok where, you know, the content you watch and the content you look at is content that's, you know, sort of repeated and reinforced. Um, You know, when you watch one of these videos that says like, okay, if you put more than 10 fingers down, then you have OCD. Well, now you have that thought in the back of your head. Maybe I am OCD. Maybe I do 
have that diagnosis. And then you continue to Mm -hmm. seek out information that reinforces that, whether or not it's actually true. So it's like now you're seeing other TikToks. Now you're 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 watching all these things with the impression that I do have OCD. I do have OCD. And and so again, exactly. So in that echo chamber of TikTok, I do think that self-diagnosis is is dangerous. But in general, like I saw, uh, I saw an Instagram post today that said, why self-diagnosing is bad and harmful. And the first point was um, something along the lines of self-diagnosing is used like to get attention. And I was like, okay, well, no, (laughs) not, not necessarily. People think people need to realize that, you know, obviously, yes, self-labeling for attention is bad. Self-labeling for the sake of putting it in your Instagram bio and, you know, and, and you know what I mean? Like in that sense, Yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of it, but it's, it's a fight against using mental illness as a marketing ploy, not against self-diagnosing. The two are not mutually exclusive. So that's an important distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I also think like, um, if someone wants attention so much that they're making up a mental illness, maybe they need attention for something else. So I yeah, exactly. when you are being critical, well, when I'm critical of self-diagnosis, mm-hmm. I always do it from a theoretical standpoint and never about an individual. Because, yeah. like, the a type of support-seeking behaviors that would come from, like, making up all mm-hmm. the symptoms of an autism diagnosis, yeah. it's just, there's something else going on. Like, exactly. Like, you don't just wake up one morning and think, like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna make up a diagnosis. Not everyone is yeah. Trisha Paytas. <laughs> she has got that well and truly under control. Mm-hmm. Okay, ready for the fun fact? I am so ready for the fun fact. I have been ready. All Claire wrote in our document was brain juice, so I am very stoked. And boy, is brain ever juicy. Okay, Ooh. so this is kind of related. But being in a in a passionate love, like not okay. just like a stable, loving relationship, like having that yeah. passionate love operates okay. in your brain with the same neurochemicals that operate a severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh. Yeah. So if you are in a passionate love, yeah. you got that fire going on, make sure you're not obsessing over your partner. Yeah. That's a huge distinction and a topic that we can honestly go on for ages about is the difference between proper love versus infatuation. Oh my gosh. So yeah. <laughs> to be to be passionately in love is is one thing and to be, you know, infatuated with someone and just like super obsessed is another thing. But I'll add it to the document. We'll uh we'll chat about this another time. Yeah. Okay, so I think for our second topic, I have five uh, theories about who in the office could have been the Scranton Strangler. So I, do you want to go through them? Uh, yes, I am so excited. I could only think of two at most. So when you wrote five, I was like, lay it on me. Let's go. Okay, so I've kind of ordered these from least, well, 
I don't know what's most likely. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll see. I'm stoked. Oh. So, Gabe arrives at the office the same time the Scranton Stranglers murder uh, murders start. So the idea is Gabe has been murdering as the Scranton Strangler, and then. Mm he needs to find a job to kind of justify why he's always strangling people. So he yeah. transfers to Dunder Mifflin. Or he, you know, when Saber takes over, he takes that role. Yeah. I, I do think Gabe has that mental capacity. The way that Gabe has handled stress and, and you know, those sort of yeah. indicators, I, I could definitely see that happening. I can't believe I hadn't thought of that. Wow. Yeah, it's, I don't know if he's the most likely, but it definitely, timeline-wise, I think it's there. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So the second one, kind of Mm -hmm. obvious, Creed Bratton. Yep. (laughs) has a laundry list of weird experiences. He's taken someone else's name. He has a history of cults. And he showed up covered in blood without realizing it on Halloween. On Halloween, yep. Oh, I love that episode. So, he has kind of the perfect personality type. Yeah. For a a strangler of some kind. (laughs) Yeah. Part of me thinks it would be too obvious. Like, if the creator suddenly said, like, surprise, it's been Creed all along, I'd be like, oh, okay, well. Got that. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, could I it happen? Absolutely. He ha- would have the capacity to like keep it under wraps so long. Like the Scranton Strangler was getting away with it for so long. Yeah. Is Creed, Creed would that like smart? Creed would post it on Creed Thoughts, and then Ryan would read it, and it would just <laughs> snowball from there. But would Ryan snitch? I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Ryan Howard. Oh, my God. So next we have Andy Bernard. So this one kind of has two parts. Okay, lay it on me. part is unfortunately related to our first topic, which is that Andy Bernard has undiagnosed dissociative identity disorder, which is commonly known as multiple personality disorder. Yeah. So some of these identities would be Angry Andrew, Drew from Cornell, Nardog. And then possibly this deadly persona, which would be Andy that was being the Scranton Strangler. And the other evidence is that Andy is rich, so his family could have hired someone to strangle one person for the cover-up. Who would have then been tried for Andy's crime. Yeah. Hmm. It's an interesting theory. I think the multiple personalities I could definitely see developing just the way that Andy carries himself in different situations. Uh, yeah. Do I think his family covered? I don't think Andy's family likes Andy enough to commit. Yeah, they definitely wouldn't have been thrilled with that. Yeah. Idea. But would Andy have used his parents' money? I can see that happening. I can see that happening too. However, I kind of feel like Andy would have done it actually strangling is kind of dramatic like that would kind of be up andy's alley yeah and then of course sweeney todd (laughs) sweeney todd he he knows the deal yeah okay okay next one go for it 
second to last is Rolf, Dwight's best friend. Oh! Oh my gosh! So, he has antisocial behavior, violent tendencies, and anger towards women. Yeah. And in the history of his and Dwight's friendship, they meet yeah. each other at a shoe store where he yeah. wants shoes that it will make shoes that leave no tracks. Make... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's I would that's not a good be one. Surprised by a Dwight I honestly would not either criminal yeah so I think, that one i like yeah i think dwight from my perspective has like so much of a passion for like law and law enforcement and, and rules but at the same time when michael needed his urine sample he cracked so is he easily corruptible yes that's a, that's a good one we know about murderers which is yeah. not much, but um, I think a potential serial strangler would get a real kick about being best friends with someone who is obsessed with the case yeah. and they couldn't figure it out. Yeah, yeah, like the Zodiac Killer. Like the Zodiac That's... Killer. Bum, bum. And then but final yeah. one, which we've Let's all go. heard before, yeah. Toby Flenderson. Toby Flenderson, yep. So... To kind of go over the evidence, which all office superfans have heard, he yep. wasn't in the office during the police chase. Mm-hmm. Um, he thought that the real, the person who was convicted for the strangling was innocent. Yeah. So, and then there's, you know, less evidence that's kind of minor, but those are the yeah. two big things. And he was yeah. obsessed with the crime. Yeah. And also with mystery, with all his Flenderson files, bum bum. Yeah. So, like, if anyone could get away with it and work the mystery system, I think it'd be Toby. I think it would be Toby, too. I just don't... I don't see Toby as being smart enough to get away with it all that time. Like, I think about Mm -hmm. how long the stranglings were going on for. It would have to be someone really bright. And Toby just seems kind of flat to me. I agree. Maybe that's how he took out his anger when, like we discussed on last week's episode, when Michael was chirping at him, when Michael was tearing him apart about his marriage, about this, about that. He was always like, he buried it. He didn't. He didn't act on it at all. That's true. So maybe behind the scenes, that's how Toby took out his stress. You know, he didn't go golfing. He didn't go axe throwing. He went strangling. Bum bum. Hobbies include strangling. <laughs> okay. So. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Most likely. My vote's I, on Rolf. I would agree. Either Rolf or maybe Gabe, I think. But yeah, Rolf, I hadn't thought of. But I, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. What a thought. <laughs> what a thought. Well, we will talk next week. Thank you guys all for yeah. listening. Awesome. Thank you, Claire. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.